Dueling Genre Productions presents. Oh my God, do you see that? When a freak accident strikes McKinney City, ordinary citizens are given amazing abilities. I can move things with my mind. Oh my God, I'm flying. I can fly. I can teleport and I can fly. Super senses. What, like Daredevil? We are just playing fast and loose with this whole science thing today, aren't we? Now, there are villains. Billy, when you have an arch nemesis, do you just kill them immediately? No. You tie the ropes just loose enough so that they can keep escaping. That way, when you finally do win the day, you can sleep well knowing that you rose to the challenge. Your brain works differently than other people's, doesn't it? And heroes. Leah Markowitz, Gwendolyn Allen, Jeffrey Gibson, Mindy Gibson, Simon Holt, Splendid, you're all here. I'm going to make you all into superheroes. Screw it. Let's go save the day. The Powerful. After I drain everyone here, McKinney City will be mine. I'm going to show this whole city what real passion truly is. And the underdogs. You're all imagining me as a singing, dancing chipmunk right now, aren't you? The people in that store need help, and we can help them in a way no one else can. We have great power, which means they're our responsibility. I mean, Jesus, what's the point of having five freaking Spider-Man movies if we can't even learn to do that? Geek by Night, an original podcast series about five friends running a comic book store with superpowers. You're really going to keep running a comic book shop while trying to be superheroes? It might not always be easy, but I think the world could use a few more underdogs. Available at DuelingGenre.com and podcast apps everywhere. Dueling Genre Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski. I'm Todd Mack. And this week we are discussing Edward and Alphonse Elric from the manga Full Metal Alchemist. And to help us with our discussion, we are joined by Norman Mitchell from Lord of the Ring Minute Podcast. Welcome, Norman. Great to be back, guys. Yes, uh, uh, previous guest on the podcast as well. So not only do we know you through Lord of the Rings Minute, but you've come on to talk about uh, in the past both Roroni Kenshin, did I pronounce that one right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> and Green Lantern, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, fr- friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast, yes. Frequent guest, future guest, past guest, all of the above. And right now, present guest. And also, because we're talking about a manga, producer Andrew's going to jump in and help with the discussion. Mm-hmm. It has been well established on this podcast that Andrew knows more about manga than Todd or I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Norman knows more about it than I do. <laughs> yes. And uh, Norman, you asked us to tackle Full Metal Alchemist. We said we wanted to have you on again. Um, and so thank you, first of all, because I really enjoyed reading it. It's one I'd had recommended several times and i never actually gotten around to. So I fully enjoyed that. But could you just share with our listeners uh, why you wanted to to talk about Full Metal Alchemist out of um, you know all the manga that you love? Uh, Alphonse is just genuinely one of my favorite characters in all of anime and manga. Uh <laughs> I love really any media, probably. (laughs) Yeah, I I love Alphonse Elric so much. And uh, my wife had just finished uh, my wife, Cassandra, who I host my uh, podcast with, had just finished watching through uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is the manga faithful adaptation uh, anime. And it kind of reminded me how much I really love this story. And then you guys asked me if there was something I wanted to talk about. And I was like, yes, Full Metal Alchemist. (laughs) 
And we would just note, listeners, if you go back one episode in your feed, Cassandra is a guest on the protagonist <laughs> podcast talking about Doctor Who. Uh, all right. So a little bit more information about this. We're going to be talking about volume two of the manga. Um, and this was a series that was written and drawn by Hiromu Arakawa. And I apologize if I just butchered a pronunciation there. Full Metal Alchemist tells the story of Edward and Alphonse Elric, two brothers who dabbled in alchemy to try and bring their mother back to life. And it went <clears throat> a bit wrong, shall we say. <laughs> <clears throat> we'll get into how wrong. But now they're searching for the Philosopher's Stone to try and fix their bodies. <laughs> because when it went wrong, well, Alphonse lost his soul. And uh, no, he okay. lost his body. He lost his body. Yeah, yeah, his body. And to get his soul back, didn't uh, Edward have to sacrifice his leg? Uh, Edward lost his leg in the original oh, okay. transmutation, in which Alphonse lost his whole body. And then to get Alphonse's soul back and attach it to a suit of armor, he right. sacrificed his arm. So now Edward is missing an arm and a leg. He has robot arm and leg. And mm-hmm. uh, and Alphonse is a walking suit of armor that constantly people are freaked out when they realize there's nothing in it. Yes, <laughs> yep. he's walking and talking like like a seven foot tall suit of armor. He's like, like really big. He's your, Alphonse. He's these your are little these brothers? brothers. Yeah. How old is how old were the brothers in the manga? Is it ever like um, firmly established ages? It, in volume two, we're probably looking at like fourteen and fifteen. Okay. Yeah. I think. That's, um, does I think that sound that's about correct. right? Um, um, maybe, maybe younger, maybe thirteen and fourteen th- in this one. I think at the by the end, end of the, the series, Ed is sixteen. Yeah, I think we're looking at like sixteen, maybe seventeen, um, and Alphonse would be about fifteen. Okay, um, and and yeah, so we're in that neighborhood, mid-teens. Yeah. Um, usually we talk about how we came to it. I came to it because of this podcast, because of this request from Norman, though uh, I will say uh, my brother John, who's been a guest on the podcast before, and Andrew have both suggested it to me many times, and I just haven't gotten around to it. What about you, Todd? Are you familiar with Full Metal Alchemist before this uh, this po- episode of this podcast? Yes. Um, I think on Andrew's recommendation, I started watching it on Netflix probably a year and a half ago. Maybe a year. That sounds about right. Sounds about I think right. more than a year. Yeah, probably yeah, a year. I think and more than ago. a year ago. Um, and I was I was really into it, and then it just disappeared from Netflix. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. Well, I guess well, I won't now it's that. back. And now it is back, and I haven't gotten uh, I got I gotten back into it. I'm to the part where they go up to the ice place, and the and Armstrong mm-hmm. sister is there. I'm like right to that that point in the story. Oh, so. she's 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 amazing. I love Fantastic. her. She's very cool. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, so I was looking forward to this, uh, this discussion. All right, Norman, how about you? How did you first come to full metal alchemist? So, uh, I don't know if perhaps this is also how Andrew did, but the first time I ever saw full metal alchemist was, uh, on adult swim on cartoon network. They started airing the, the original adaptation from, I think it was done in 2004. In the neighborhood. Yeah. And then I started reading the manga and I was reading the manga as it was coming out from about the midway point until it finished. How many uh, volumes in the manga are there? 27. There are, yeah, there are 27 volumes of the manga and they're about four chapters a piece. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple that are five. 
Yeah. I've, I've got to say one thing that always has intimidated me about manga series is that like you, when you're at the bookstore, it's like 49 volumes of Naruto. But there's, at the same time, oh, there's like 72. That's not even close. Okay. Okay. That's not even close. Naruto. All right. I thought I was exaggerating. I was well under the mark of Naruto. <laughs> yeah. um, but one thing, I found, <laughs> uh, one thing I found reading Full Metal Alchemist, you can get through these volumes pretty quick. Yeah, they, they it's are, like an hour, two hours top. Yeah, they're, volume. they're fast reads. Um, and yeah, and so, so, then so you're looking at, less. at less than 30 hours probably <laughs> yeah. of of content if you read the whole series. Um, or is it like to call it long an audiobook that's for all 30 hours? That'll yeah. hold me for a while. Yeah. Um, so if you think about it, you know, it's it's in the neighborhood of like a long novel. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Altogether. Andrew, what about you? When did you first come to Full Metal Alchemist? Uh, yeah, when I was uh, a young teenager, I think I borrowed a DVD from our brother John who he had been the one who was watching it on Adult Swim on Cartoon Network. And then he had started Mm. buying the DVDs um, because this is back in the day when there wasn't Hulu or Netflix. Like you weren't going to get to watch these things. Um, And and, and it was probably even before DVR really took off and was was common. So like you're not going to be able to catch up on these things unless you're watching regularly or you buy the DVDs at, at like media play. This is when your rich friends had a TiVo. (laughs) <laughs> this era that's yeah. what we're talking about if that rings any bells yeah um and so he had been blockbuster still existed <laughs> yeah uh he had been buying um some of the dvds and and i had started borrowing uh a number of things from him i mean this that's the same way i watched um Rurouni kenshin for the first time uh and and several other shows um and this was one that i it to me it was just the coolest and it also had just enough edge of darkness that I was like, I don't know if I'm old enough to watch this, but like, <laughs> I think I think I can handle it. I'm mature now. Yeah, like I can watch a story about a boy whose soul was ripped from his body and put into a suit of armor. No, it yeah. gets pretty and, dark. This is definitely not yeah. as dark as it goes. <laughs> yeah, and and so um, I started watching the DVDs, but I was probably like 13 or 14 mm-hmm. um, when I started getting into it, and I watched that whole series and read some of the manga. And at some point, that first series diverges from the manga. And then, like, 10 years after it ended, they're like, guys, this story's really good. Can we do, like, the real one? <laughs> and so they, <laughs> let's, let's they remade it. And they made Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And um, that's I know exactly more faithful where it to the yeah. manga. Yeah. And <laughs> it's pretty much directly faithful for the most part. And they got a lot of the same voice actors to come back, even though it was 10 years later. And they're like, we're doing the show again. I'm coming back. <laughs> when, when are you recording my parts? Because... Uh, you know, people felt really attached to this one. This one is the kind of story that became really important for a lot of people. And especially for people that were getting into manga and anime at that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really, really high quality one that had in, in English, a really, really high quality um, adaptation, like a much, much better job. quality than a lot of things. I, Cause I have seen, um, online like memes going around of like bad anime dubs for english mm-hmm. this this did not have that this was at the time it might have been the highest quality um english dub that that had been done okay um and it, and it's there one is, that that people say there's like, an argument for that you can you can watch the dub on this one and there's a lot of people that don't want to watch the dubs on anything but this one yeah go ahead i watched it just to, it's like this and cowboy bebop have like the two best english dubs i think I was just going to give a quick reminder for our listeners. We've we've covered this before, but manga is the printed comic book, you mm-hmm. know, style, and anime is the animated version yeah, of a cart- lot of cartoon yeah, TV show of of these. And so, the, um, a lot of anime are adaptations from manga. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so I guess I now's a good point to jump into the little bit of trivia that I pulled up about this series. The original manga was published between 2001 and 2010. Uh, so it's it's fully wrapped up. It's an encapsulated mm-hmm. story now at this point. And as you guys said, 37 volumes? 27. Oh, 27 volumes. Okay. Um, and with those 27 volumes, though, over 70 million volumes total have been sold worldwide. And Full Metal Alchemist is one of the most popular mangas that has ever been printed. I would guess it, it's the kind of thing that will never be out of print. There's always going to be room on the shelf for that at Barnes & Noble. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely will never be out of print. Virtu- you can almost always find... All of the three-in-one volumes on the shelf at Barnes and Noble. Anytime you go in there, mm-hmm. well, and plus, even, uh, plus all of the individual. Ones. I went and grabbed this from my local library, which does not have an extensive manga section. Like it's mm-hmm. it's one shelf is where you find their manga, and it had all of Full Metal Alchemist was amongst their manga collection. Yeah, like if if there was going to be a manga canon, this would be part of it. Yeah. Um, and as you guys kind of already talked about, it's been adapted twice into anime. That's mm-hmm. one thing I found, which I, th- I was like, why has this been adapted twice? But you guys have explained. One is kind of when it's own course and one Because they a- caught up and they didn't want to do filler. And so they just, the, the creators of the anime told the rest of their story. Yeah. And now there is a and version the- that is a more faithful adaptation of the manga. Yeah. And people tend to and stick the with the- And the manga author actually likes the original story. She likes the direction it went in. Yeah. It, I mean, it's not bad at all. And then mm-hmm. they did um, a movie sequel to that. And then they did the the Brotherhood adaptation, which is generally speaking better. Yeah. But um, there's certainly some good stuff to be found in, in the original one. I haven't gone back to watch it again um, because it it feels weird yeah. now that you know how it's actually <laughs> supposed to go. Or, or how the original creator wanted it to go. It, it, yeah. It's really weird. It's a, a weird issue of like canonicity and what, you yeah, know what it is. But uh, especially up until the split, you know, there's a lot of extra depth in mm-hmm. the um, original adaptation which version is available on netflix right now uh quite often both of them oh okay Uh, and i think they're also both available on hulu i think you guys have just ticked off every bit of trivia that i had (laughs) just so you know have you guys seen the netflix full metal alchemist film that's from 2017 yes the i i did watch most of the live action one okay Um, what'd you think i didn't i didn't quite finish it it's it's really hard to try and summarize this into an hour and a half. Yeah. Like you can't really effectively tell the story that needs to be told in, in less than the hours that it needs. Okay. And so abbreviating it is, is difficult. Right. Yeah. And just trying to go for iconic moments just for the sake of putting them in. Mm-hmm. I heard was but, a, was a major complaint, but it's it like, it doesn't hurt to watch. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's not painful, but it's not great. Like you're better off watching the series or reading the, the manga. series. Okay. Uh, well, Norm, do you have any other trivia about the series? Because, again, Andrew just basically checked every box I had. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, I, I don't think so. The trivia. Okay. The uh, author, uh, Hiromu Arakawa, she grew up in kind of a rural part of Japan and wanted to go to the city and, and become a manga artist. Uh, and her family said, Sorry, we need your help on the farm. And she's like, Okay, what if I work on the farm for like seven more years? Like, yeah. Okay. And so she did. She stayed on the farm for years past high school and just worked on the farm and then went to the city and started making manga, including this, which was wow, fantastic. And she probably doesn't ever have to work again if she doesn't want to. Yeah. Um, and she's not completely reclusive, but she does not make a lot of public appearances, hmm. which is a shame because she would be extremely popular. Yeah. Her, her Wikipedia page says that she draws herself as a bespeckled cow. Yeah, 
that's um, in ancillary materials in, in most of the volumes. She does like a little introduction and, and some stuff in the, in the back matter um, where she's, yeah, just as a cow. Andrew is uh, that's showing part me of the her, picture right now. And I, yes. I think that's from her like farm upbringing. Yeah. That's kind of her like, I'm, I'm rural. I like that. All right. Well, before we jump into Todd's full summary, listeners, we want to thank you for joining us and listening to this episode. And we would especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least $1 a month, you know, 25 cents an episode. Uh, We hope that it's worth that to you a little bit uh all supporters on patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers that we've seen and we update our uh fantasy box office which thanks to black panther is going my way this year so far (laughs) all patrons who support us with five dollars a month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss and we always uh appreciate the variety that gets brought into our podcast and into our reading and, and viewing through those patron requests so thank you again listeners and thank you again patrons and now todd you have a full summary of uh full metal alchemist volume two dude this is uh going to be one of the shortest summaries i think i've ever written (laughs) um i'm telling you like one or two good fight scenes and you're pretty much through a volume of full metal alchemist uh okay so this starts with um chapter five and it's called the alchemist's suffering Real quick, Todd. Yes. Um, I'm just going to pull back the curtain for our listeners. For the first time in our 177 episodes, both Todd and I wrote a summary for this. Um, and I had actually reread, or I went and read volume one because it was so short. Uh, I was like, I, I could probably do both of these. Do you want, and I wrote a one paragraph synopsis of what we learned in volume one. Do you want me to read yes, that and then you take that. over yes. for volume two? So in volume one, we learned that Edward and Alphonse Elric are alchemists. And there's an accident when they are attempting to resurrect their mother. Uh, and their father's never mentioned, which I assume either he's going to be a really big deal at some point in the future, or he will never be mentioned again. It's one of those two. Like, there's no middle ground when the father's not mentioned in these kinds of scenarios. It's the former. Okay. <laughs> um, and in that accident, when they're trying to resurrect their mother, who has recently died, Edward lost his arm while Al- Alphonse was sucked into a portal. And in order to regain Alphonse's soul, he he sacrificed his leg. Did I get that order right? Of limbs? No, well, I lost uh, his leg. It on the limbs. Okay. <laughs> then, and, then, and then gave then, up his arm. Okay. And Alphonse's soul was bonded with a suit of armor while Edward uh, has a robotic arm and leg. Edward is an official military alchemist of the government. And in the first volume, they revealed that a religious leader in an outlying town was using alchemy to perform miracles and mislead the people. And they stop him from doing that. And then they help a small mining town uh, who are all being exploited by a government official. They do both um, some cool fighting and magic. And also they use their brains to outwit this uh, corrupt uh, government official and turn the entire mining town over to the people now instead of this corrupt official okay so they they're kind of like wandering heroes kind of it seems yeah. the, the the tone that you get in the first volume at yeah least. there's definitely some western influence to these first stories yeah western or samurai right the, yeah. The, well yeah. yeah i mean almost the same <laughs> yes <laughs> they're state-sponsored uh wandering heroes um and then just a i mean small detail but uh his arm and his leg they're not really robotic they're just um they're like mechanical no they're cast out of metal they're auto they're made out of right uh, that's what the term is auto mail which is like magical metal okay it's like more than sort of uh, robotic it's sort of a steampunk steampunk prosthetic okay like think gears yes a lot of gears involved I guess we do learn more about the arms and legs in future volumes. Yeah. It was, it, in this volume, it was just kind of like, uh, yeah, like a robotic cybernetic. You, you get to know his cyborg. Kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah. And you could okay. say that he, you know, gave his 
arm. He gave his right arm to save his brother. I mean, right. say that. He, he, would, say uh, that. he would give an arm and a leg for his brother. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, yes, you could go beyond the right arm. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, as this book begins, Alphonse and Edward are asking their ally, Roy Mustang, if he knows how they can find out more about biological alchemy or like medical alchemy. Um, and he points them in the direction of a man named Sho Tucker, who succeeded in making a chimera, uh, which is an artificial person um, that was able to talk. Uh, the only thing it ever said, though, was, I want to die. Uh, but that won't dissuade the Elric brothers from speaking with Tucker. So at Tucker's house, they met, uh, they meet uh, Show Tucker and his daughter Nina and their dog Alexander. And Tucker's, Tucker's wife uh, left, had left about a year before. And Edward uh, immediately gets to studying in Tucker's um, significant library. But Alphonse just starts playing with Nina and Alexander, the dog. Uh, so that night, Tucker tells Nina that he has work. Uh, he has to work hard because soon he will be up for assessment, and the government will decide if he will retain his license. Uh, the next day, Tucker shows Edward his newest chimera, which is a dog that can talk. But Edward is horrified to realize that the the, the chimera uh, is actually made from Nina and Alexander. And angry, he beats Tucker to a pulp, but he is haunted by Tucker's statement that the two of them aren't so different. Uh, and then he also realizes at this time. Uh, that Tucker's wife left because, um, well, she didn't leave. He uh, he killed her and took her soul to try to make the first chimera that didn't work. Um, so uh, he's going to significant extremes to try to, to, try to use his magic. Um, after the Elrics leave, a guy called Scar, um, because he has a giant X-shaped scar on his face, uh, shows up and he kills Tucker for having strayed from the path of God. And then he kills the chimera to put it out of its misery. Chapter six is called The Right Hand of Destruction. Uh, Edward has a dream about his mother. He laments her loss, and then he expresses both physical and emotional pain about her loss. Um, so this, this uh, auto male arm and leg that he has, it causes him, I mean, he's in constant physical pain because of it. Um, and I think, I think that's interesting. It's like Wolverine, sort of. Uh, so Mustang soldiers, uh, soldiers, so Mustang is their friend, and he's a colonel. And their, his soldiers check out the carnage at Tucker's house, and it's pretty bad, and they know only Scar could have done this. Uh, meanwhile, Lust and Gluttony and Envy, who are these three um, like villainous characters, um, and they're sowing destruction in another city, and they're aware of Scar um, and Edward and Colonel Mustang, uh, and they decided to go and take a look, um, but they, they make a point of saying that they won't kill Edward since they are going to need him as a human sacrifice. On the main street of East City, uh, Eric, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Edward and Alphonse discuss alchemy. And Alphonse describes the process as the reconstruction of matter in new forms based on knowledge of natural laws. Um, and those natural laws, they create this kind of flow in the world. Um, and death is part of that flow. Uh, but the, uh, the brothers, they're trying to go against it to bring their mother back or um, I mean, part of what they're doing is this kind of rebellion against the laws of nature. It's why it's so hard and dangerous what they're doing. Uh, just then Scar finds them and they have a huge fight in which Ed uh, and Alf and Al uh, realize how strong Scar is. And Scar begins to realize some of the mystery surrounding these young men. And in the fight, Scar incapacitates uh, Alphonse and he crushes Edward's arm. Chapter seven is called After the Rain. The not not the good fleshy arm. Yeah, no, his, uh, his <laughs> the auto male arm. Yeah, his auto male arm gets gets uh, crushed. So chapter seven is called After the Rain. Uh, just then, Colonel Mustang and his troops arrive, and they all fight Scar. 
Uh, and Mustang can't is pretty useless because he can't use his alchemy because it's raining and he his alchemy um, is uh, based on fire, but he can't get a spark because it's raining too hard. All right. I want to say that was one of my favorite moments because he does like the full hero pose that if uh-huh. you've ever seen any anime, you know what I'm talking about. It's and, like a low angle shot. <laughs> yeah. And he's getting all set. And then one of his his soldiers just like tackles him and knocks him out of the way. He's like, what are you doing? It's like, you can't do anything. <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> Uh, then Major Armstrong uh, shows up, and he um, he and Scar have an epic battle. And Major Armstrong is fantastic. He has this kind of like like perfect little curl in his in his blonde hair, and he has a like this amazing handlebar mustache. And he is huge. I mean, he is just a mountain of a man. And he takes it. This reminds me of like old time circus strong. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, with the mustache and uh, everything. That is that is precisely that is correct. exactly what he. Except except whereas a circus strong man didn't have like the muscular definition. This is like heaps of mus- muscular <laughs> definition in these drawings. Yeah, it's circus strong. It's circus strong man's head on Hulk's body, basically. <laughs> it's amazing. And, and he immediately. At every opportunity, takes his shirt off. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, um, he's like in a military uniform, and the shirt just disappears. But he's like he flexes, and it just disintegrates. <laughs> he's also like a perfect gentleman, and uh, I, I really like Armstrong a lot. So in the end, um, so they're having this huge, huge fight. But in the end, it's Lieutenant Hawkeye who has no alchemy; she has no magical powers. Uh, but she ends up winging Scar with a shot from a rifle. Um, wounded and cornered, Scar still manages to escape. Uh, but in the aftermath of the battle, uh, of the battle. Alphonse, uh, oh, uh, he yells at Edward. Um, like, I mean, he really gets after him uh, because he risked his life in fighting Scar. He says uh, to Edward he, that he has to stay alive in order to help uh, find a way um, to get Al's body back, his soul back into a body. Um, and also, uh, Mustang and Armstrong realize in the fight that Scar is an Ishbalan, and the Ishbalans are a race of people who fought against the state in a long and bloody civil war, which ended when the state employed state, al- state alchemists as weapons of war and practically drove the Ish- Ishbalans to extinction. And this is why Scar is killing state alchemists, but curiously, he's doing it using alchemy or something very much like it. In the end, Edward, unable to perform alchemy with only one arm, tells them that he needs to go see his mechanic. Uh, chapter 8 is called The Road of Hope. So Colonel Mustang sends Major Armstrong to be Edward's bodyguard on the trip into the countryside uh, where the mechanic resides. On the way out... Couldn't they ask run- for a better bodyguard. Yes. <laughs> on the way out, they run into a Dr. Marco, who was a state alchemist interested in medical alchemy during the war. But Marco ran away after the war to avoid being a tool of the state. Now he's a simple uh, country doctor um, using alchemy to, to help the people in this little town. And Armstrong and Edward, they corner the doctor, and Edward asks him about his research. Uh, and finally, the doctor reveals that he has discovered how to make a philosopher's stone, but that he hasn't perfected the formula. He initially refuses, initially refuses to give Edward any help, but eventually reveals that his research notes are in the main library in Central City. Just after they leave, Lust shows up and interrogates Marco. And after she threatens him and a little girl from the town, uh, Marco reveals to her the location of his notes. And she leaves them alive, um, letting Marco know that she is saving him so that he'll be a sacrifice as well. And then she heads to the city to get the research before Edward does the end. Good job, Todd. Thanks. Did Did he miss anything that you had in your summary, Joseph? That that you feel no? He to be he embellished details that I had just glossed over. Okay. So I'm glad we went with Todd's <laughs> summary. 
The only thing that I think is important is that the reason that Alphonse is so angry at Ed is that he tells he he Scar he gets Scar to promise that he won't hurt Al if he just lets him kill him. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So if, if Scar kills Ed, he's gonna let Alphonse and and Ed gave up. Yes, in, in, in that a, moment. And I want to say that was. Um, there's a lot of good moments packed into this fairly quick read of a manga volume, mm-hmm. but that brother fight after, after that, where Ed is going to give himself up and allow himself to be killed. And then obviously he doesn't cause there's still 27 more volumes or whatever, 25 more volumes. Um, but the brother fight when they're yelling at each other and does the shots of everyone else, like awkwardly, <laughs> like, uh, guys, this is a little personal cause they're yelling like, you have to stay alive and you don't get to decide when you're going to sacrifice yourself for me. And it's like, if I want to die for you, I can die for you. My job is to keep I'm you alive. Brother. I'm the older brother. And it was, um, it, it's that level of fighting where there has to be the love underneath for it to really reach that level. Right. And, and I thought it was a really great choice to cut to the faces of all the other soldiers saying, this is a private moment and we shouldn't be here <laughs> kind of feeling. And I love how it's drawn. I mean, like there are, there's so much variety in the way that the fight is drawn. So you get, um, you get like perfect punch to the face with gong and the, and the O one of the O's is um, Edward's face, like the, like the Rocky, <laughs> like the Rocky face, you know, like yeah. when you get punched and then, um, and then you get them facing each other, like face to face. And then you get uh, like little chibi um, Edward. And then you get this Bachoom with the, gi- with only like the hand. And then, <laughs> and then Edward's foot just sticking straight up. Um, it's just like, it's just great. Like, I mean, you could do this fight where it's just like face to face. I'm yelling at you. You're yelling at me. I'm yelling at you. You're yelling at me. But there's so much variety. And then at the bottom of it, you get all these awkward uh, faces with the word with the brother's word bubbles uh, above while all these people are awkwardly <laughs> reacting. Yeah, it's just uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's really good, really good stuff. And then he breaks his arm off. I mean, he, he accidentally <laughs> breaks uh, Alphonse's arm off. It's just yeah. uh, good stuff. Good stuff. And the rain. And yeah, it's all fantastic. Uh, Norman, when we were debating, like you said, you wanted to do Full Metal Alchemist, and as we've kind of revealed to the readers, there's a lot of Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, what what was it about Volume Two that made you think this is the one that we probably need to cover? So the thing that happens in the first volume, uh, the first chapter of this volume, is one of the most important moments going forward for like the whole show or the the whole story, which is Show Tucker's kind of betrayal of trust Ugh. in a way. He's, He's the worst. The worst. The worst. Uh, like, and not in a funny way. Like, just awful, awful, awful. And because I originally was just like, oh, I don't know if we should talk about volume two or volume three, because volume three also has like a real. But this moment is more important for Ed. And in volume three, there's a thing that happens that's kind of more important to Al. And they both kind of those two things really carry their characters forward pretty much for the rest of the series. Yeah, so uh, Tucker, like, doing the Chimera thing with his daughter and the dog, like, it's horrifying on every level. And the image of it is so sad. sad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, like pitiable. But then, yes. And then Tucker, like, needling Ed about, well, what were you willing to do to try to bring back your mom? You're no different than me. And then um, the other great moment that it came out of this for me was, I, th- I think it's Mustang is talking to, to Ed. And he says, this is why people say that alchemists are devils, is because of people doing stuff like that. And Alpha or Ed kind of yells, he's like, we're not gods and we're not devils. We're just humans or we could have saved that girl. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all we are is just human <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or we could have saved the dog and the girl. Like, he's really like 
obviously he should be and and the audience should be broken up about this but it has an impact on him that goes beyond being horrified at what the dad did but also it's for him feeling his limitations feeling his his yeah. frailty which i'm sure must always be on his mind because he's got because, a painful arm and yeah. leg and, and, his and he's dealing with those limitations because <laughs> it's like well we couldn't bring our mom back so there's a limit yeah but this is what just once more in his face like yeah i could do cool alchemy stuff but mm-hmm. i'm i'm so you know i i can't save a little girl and yeah i wish i and, could and one of the things that they deal with specifically is um like it becomes clear that there's nothing to be done for uh, Nina as a chimera. They can't separate her and the okay. dog. Like this is an irreparable situation. Uh, and and then they deal with, you know, Scar putting the chimera out of its mis- misery. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Ed's limited because they can't separate what's been done. And then he's limited because they can't bring them back. Mm-hmm. And there's also just like a, a natural... Um limitation to alchemy and this is one of the things that i really like about the philosophy behind the the alchemy is um that it's based on transfer right like you get something but you always have to give something up and um yeah and so there's always like there's always um sacrifice built into the like the alchemic system and uh in some cases you're just dealing with like one one kind of matter is turning into another kind of matter, but there always has to be like this kind of balance in the universe. And that's why um, they had to give up so much in even in trying to get their mother back. Uh, and it's why uh, Edward had to give up his arm in order to bond his brother's soul to the armor. Like there's always um, there's always a sacrifice and it's a it makes it an interesting kind of system of magic um, mm-hmm. different than like. Oh, I have super strength, and so you know, like I'm always just strong, or I'm invisible, yeah. or I can fly. But they go ahead. They they call it equivalent exchange. Yes, equivalent always. exchange. And, and and so they're dealing with conservation of mass and conservation of energy, and they they kind of um, hand wave the energy later <laughs> on, and they say it's like uh, they're just using like tectonic plates rubbing against each other as the energy to you know shift the atoms around. Um, but as far as conservation of mass is like, yeah, if you have you know. 10 kilograms of water, then you're limited with how far that can stretch. Yeah. You know, if you're turning it in. So, so this is just purely the Newtonian yeah. physics. The on thing I yeah. Yeah. The yeah. most I mean, in like, that regard is Roy Mustang is Mustang's firepower. As we go further and further, mm-hmm. I kind of squint at that a little. Yeah. So the, his story is that he has gloves that he can snap and make a spark, but the alchemy he's doing is um, changing the chemical or rearranging the chemical content of the air. Um, to like guide fire on certain yeah. courses. So, so if he can, you know, make basically a pure string of oxygen, then the flame's going to carry across that string of oxygen, and then it'll create a pocket of hydrogen somewhere that's going to explode. That seems very dangerous. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they, they, Incredibly. they get pretty hand wavy with that, <laughs> and they just say he's just manipulating the chemicals in the air. Okay. Um, and and that's how it goes. But yeah, you know, it, it is a little hand wavy. But they also like they lean into some pretty hard stuff. So when they're talking about their attempt to bring their mom back, they compiled all of the like physical and chemical elements necessary to manufacture a human body. Like all of the, you know, X amount of carbon and phosphorus and, and water and, and all of that. And they had a big pile of it. Like, okay, well we can make a body. How do we get our soul in there? And that's where they get the, the, the rebound um, that is searching for, you know, equivalent. And that's what costs them their limbs. 
is like, no, you can't just make a soul out of nothing. And it's going to cost you a body and a leg. So, and then, and so then, now we know a soul is made up of the same material as one human body and one leg. No. Like, <laughs> then, then, then you start dealing with the non one to one. It's a body change. Right. <laughs> It's not. Um, I'm and, not. And they don't. And they don't even successfully get the soul. Like right, the, yes. the cost of the <laughs> yeah. attempt. Yeah, they is, fail. Is to they, to do they create this. a monster that takes three breaths. Right. And I'm not dies. arguing yeah. that this is like a, a science manual. Well, all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. All I'm saying is that I think it's interesting as like a like a philosophical underpinning of this story, mm-hmm. the idea that when you use power, there's always a sacrifice that comes with it. And that not that it's not for free. It's not power ex nihilo. It's power in exchange mm-hmm. for something yeah. else. And I think that uh, holds up pretty well uh, throughout the story, um, regardless of whether it's like one to one or whether you can actually measure yeah. these things. Yeah, right. Nobody in this story, heroes or villains, ever gets right. anything for free. Yeah, like you, you are working to get what you get, <clears throat> and there are long term consequences for. I mean, sometimes, you know, something will go bad and it's like, oh, that was so bad. And then tomorrow everybody's fine. And like uh, Alphonse and Edward are dealing with the with the consequences of a decision that they made when they were little kids for like like eight, nine. Ten. Yeah. For a very long time. Right. Sometimes it's like, oh, that's as bad as that could get. No, no it's yeah. really not. Yeah. Um, like like a thing that um, they don't deal with in this volume, but I I think it's really relevant to the discussion of character that, that I think you're going to dig into for, for Ed and Alphonse. Alphonse can't eat and he can't sleep. So he is alone at night for hours every night. And, and like, and, and Alphonse is a nice kid. No physical sensations. Yeah. So he doesn't feel warm or cold. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get hungry. He doesn't eat and he And he spends hours, like eight hours a night with himself, just thinking and, 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 and he talks about in had, this volume, he can't even feel the rain on his skin. Yeah. He can't even feel the rain hitting him. Um, and as you can imagine, like, if you're dealing with a kid who's seen some dark stuff, that eight hours could get pretty rough. <laughs> um, and if you're doing that for five years, you know, and, and like, fortunately, Alphonse is a nice kid. Like, he's, he's, so, he's nice. so polite. Yes. He, uh, and, and there's something that's so charming about seeing the giant suit of armor, which is like taller than anyone else, and like always being super polite and mm-hmm. uh, like getting down and playing it's with like the dog the first. size thing. to put on Armstrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he is, he's Armstrong sized. Yeah. Um, but where I felt the most of like, hey guys, like he's probably dealing with some stuff. It was done comedically, but it felt wrong is when uh, they have to take the train and to save money on a ticket, they pack his armor in a box and stick it in the sheep <laughs> cart. Because he's all broken. Because he, he's broken up, so he couldn't walk around anyway. But I was like, a part of me was like, guys, he's still a person. <laughs> like, in there. Yeah. <laughs> They're treating me like luggage. <laughs> but Armstrong was thinking about it. He put him in the in the cart with the sheep, yeah. not with the luggage. <laughs> so he wouldn't, so he wouldn't be alone. <laughs> Like Armstrong is is kind of nice with that, but I'll, at the same time, it's like not quite. <laughs> and uh, does it ever like just as a thought thing? Does it get explained like if they take in the head, the, you know, the helmet from the armor in with them because they've talked to him? Uh, no, his his uh, consciousness is located in the torso. Well, everyone's is. I mean, that goes without saying. No, no, I mean, <laughs> uh, because of how the bonding works, okay. uh, his, so, he speaks from yeah. his torso. <laughs> Which is why it sounds so hollow. Yeah, it's, 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 it's weird to say, but like, yeah, in his case, 
um, when he has the helmet on, he, you know, like manifests through the helmet and, uh-huh. and sees through the helmet. But when the helmet's off, it, he's working from his neck. Okay, so they would have had to take the chest plate. In. Well, it's, it's on the back plate, actually. Okay. Oh, it's very specific then. Yeah, like, like <laughs> it's on the it's on the back of the collar because because it had to like draw in his own blood um, a mark on the armor. Oh, um, it, he's located with that mark, and, and if that was, like, mark is damaged, this? yeah. Oh, and that, that, that can scar the mark person. destroyed Al dies. Yeah, um, and yeah. So if the mark is damaged, then then Alphonse dies. Well, I hope they take care of that. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> and and they like they have some complex uh, conversations that are a little more hand wavy about like well like his soul is bonded through the blood because he's my brother and the iron in the blood is what's attaching him to the metal in the armor and and things like that and it's like that's a little hand wavy yeah um, but they do get into some specifics about like what where is his existence <laughs> yeah yeah, in volume three. <laughs> the, the next one that, yeah. that you almost yeah. chose. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, but... Al has an existential crisis, you guys. Yeah. Well, I may have to read volume three now. But you, you'll need to read the whole thing. <laughs> it's worth it. Um, okay, but I'll let you guys dig into, like, dig into Ed and Al. Talk, talk about these two characters. I, how quickly, Joseph, were you clearly understanding their personalities? There's something about the um, simplicity, of, and I don't want that to sound like oh, it's so simple. But like the the the, the clean lines of it's, of manga and the mm-hmm. way that they allow way more expressivity than something that's going for realism or anything like that in art. That you get a feel for characters very quickly, and not just um, Ed and Al, but like all the side characters. Like I know who Armstrong is, <laughs> like when when he shows up, it's it's pretty clear, and. Um, and so I think it was it was pretty early on, both because of uh, the art and how expressive manga art tends to be, but also the lines of dialogue. And, you know, it, so it, there's a lot of the showing, not telling of the personalities, but it comes through so quickly that I immediately would know what felt wrong for, the, mm-hmm. for, for these characters um, to be doing. And the uh, the way that uh, she drew this this manga, the way that this is done, the style is also even kind of uniquely expressive among a lot of other manga I've read. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe it sounds weird to say that about um, Alphonse <laughs> because he's, he's a suit of armor. But for him, it's just this beautiful um, disconnect of the dialogue that's coming out of the suit of armor. And I don't know, maybe I, I've been in a room when it was on, but I had a little boy's voice in my head uh-huh. for a lot of the suit of armor. Is that what it is in the yeah. manga? Does it, it like still kind of a high pitched voice? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I had, and so maybe I had been in a room where John was watching it one time or something, and I'd seen. Some. Yeah, so it's it's um, a little boy's voice, and they have it echoing by having them speak across a, a metal salad bowl. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's their low tech way. Wow! But it sounds perfect. It does like when sound you, perfect. When you hear it, you're like, "That's what it needs to sound like," and it has this kind of metallic ring to it. Yeah, I know what a hollow suit of armor talking sounds like. It's that. Yes, um, but but definitely for for Ed, um, like it, you, you get um, all this attitude in his face immediately. Yeah, you get a lot of attitude, but not just like attitude. Like some people, there's some other characters who say stuff to him about like like they say like if if you're disrespectful, it means you're you're like you're confident in yourself or something along those lines. Uh, when he when he like mouths off at his superiors in times, and it's not like he's he's i don't i don't get angry at the world i think i get weighed down <laughs> like mm-hmm. like you feel the weight of the decisions that he's made and um 
the quest, he always says that the quest is to fix their bodies, but he's really fixing his brother's body. Like that's what it feels like his quest is, is he's carrying guilt for what's happened to his brother, guilt mm-hmm. for failure to bring back their mom. But he, it seems like in these two volumes, they, they give up on getting their mom back. That's not what their, their quest is. Yeah. It's really for him, I think, to get his brother's body back. And he says our body's back. Cause he knows that's what Alphonse wants to hear. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 the brother relationship is so great in this where like, there's so much love and selflessness in the way they interact and, and the choices that they're making that um, yeah, you, you feel that caring. I find Ed kind of annoying at the beginning of this story, but he grows his, his character arc is really, really inspiring in a lot of ways when you finish the story. <laughs> now you, Norman, you were saying that um, Alphonse has an existential crisis because the, where the, where these brothers are in volume one and two, which is again, all I've read and I've never seen an episode of it. I'm assuming the character arc is that Edward is going to lighten up a bit and Alphonse is going to darken up a bit. That seems like from their starting points <laughs> where they, yeah, they, they, they might they both go. become, they both become a little bit more like each other. Uh, yeah, not, they, not they, to the point where, yeah, not to the point where they're not themselves anymore, but that seems to be the trajectory yeah. that they need to be on. Like, um, like Alphonse gets a, a little harder and um, he learns you know, to be serious when he needs to be serious, which is something he doesn't mm-hmm. really have at the start of this story. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of that comes through um, a portion of the story where they're or, or portions of the story where they're separated and they tend to when they're separated, they say, Okay, what would the other one be doing? <laughs> these two, because they're a perfect team when yeah. they're together. Say, but when they're separated, yeah. it's like also, okay, Alphonse needs to think. It's like what would Ed be doing? And Ed starts to think, is, what, what what would Alphonse be doing? Because I need I need his perspective on this, or else I'm not going to get it to work out. Because Alphonse isn't necessarily serious, and he's not he's not really as smart as Ed in a lot of ways. But Al can always remain calm. Mm-hmm. when he's with Ed and Ed always sees that and it helps Ed stay centered. I, I was going to say, these two should not be separated. <laughs> like from what I've seen in these two volumes. But they need to be separated to grow and yeah. that's like the Individually, whole back right, of the yeah. story. Yeah. But so when you when you see them separated, you know, they're, they're thinking they're, what they're, would the other one do? Saying like, okay, I need to balance out and try to be more like my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they don't do that successfully, that's the attitude that helps them grow. Yeah, because the uh, the two things that I the thing that I think really defines both of them, and one of the things I've always appreciated about this story is it all it always circles back and focuses on the fact that these two kids are brilliantly intelligent. They just kind of let their own stuff get in the way sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's it's interesting that they what they've done with Alphonse is given him in a lot of ways the the harder emotional burden. Um, to carry without the guilt burden. Like Ed has the guilt burden and Alphonse has like the existential burden that, he, that he's dealing with. And <laughs> yet um, they've managed to like the character they created for Alphonse does not become, you know, an emo depressive woe is me kind of character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He has, he goes, he has he goes where, there like, twice. Where, yeah. He, he digs into it a couple times, but you could really anticipate like a 14 year old kid in that situation. Like, Everything's dark. Everything's horrible. <laughs> My life is the worst. Don't even talk Darkness, to me. Darkness. Yeah. No parents. Yeah. And Don't call me Al. Call me angst. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and Alphonse doesn't go there. He he remains polite and and he's the calm one. 
Um, and you get kind of intimidated when he talks about not being calm. Like there's, there's a moment with, with Shao Tucker where he tells him to shut up because if he keeps talking, Alphonse is going to get mad and yes. that's not going to go well. And and they talk later on. Alphonse is the better fighter, even though he's the calm collected one in, in, in see. And this is one of the things in volume three that like draws me to it is there is, there's a moment in volume three about how Ed views Al that, makes me really happy and makes me teary every time I think about it because Ed's having a real hard fight with some guy and they're separated. And the guy that Ed is fighting mentions that there's someone almost as good as him. That's going to track down his brother. And Ed's like, well, then I don't have anything to worry about because he always kicks my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like they, they talk about it. It's like Alphonse fights better. It's, It's just fundamental, even though Ed has all the energy about fighting. One of the things because that I, Al doesn't get tired, he doesn't feel fatigue. But I get the I get the impression that uh, Alphonse fought better before. Yeah, me too. One of the things that I like about this story, and I think, I think I maybe mentioned this. I'm sure I mentioned it when we talked about Magic Knight Ray Earth, and I may have mentioned it when we talked about Rurouni Kenshin. Um, is that sometimes for me, anime and manga can be like emotionally, it can just be kind of jarring. Um, I never get that sense with this story. Like I love the pacing and I love the, like the emotional pacing and the way that, um, that she takes us from like dark to light. Uh, it never feels forced and it never feels jarring to me. Uh, and the characters feel real. And there are moments of like legitimate, uh, humor that are just funny and there are like c- clearly Japanese, the, the Japanese sort of um, uh, like che- like little chibi uh, Ed when he gets mad because people call him little and then he goes, you know, bananas. And uh, but like it never feel it never takes me out of the story in in this. And I don't know if it's because uh, when I came to this, I was a little bit more used to this type of storytelling or if because uh, something about the way that it's drawn or the or the way that it's written but it feels just so good (laughs) like it's it's so it's so easy to watch this uh or to read it um so i i i don't i don't know i I think it's really great in that aspect most most of the time it's definitely easy to watch i will uh i'll tell you what though the the two-parter from the original adaptation of this that's about uh, show Tucker turning Nina into that chimera is really, really good and hard to watch and dark. Yeah. Oh yeah. When, uh, when they, when I turned the page and they had the dog, I was like, immediately I knew, I mean, I think the reveal you is like one sensation. page later. Yeah. yeah. I, but yeah. it's only like a page later that the, well, the, and, the brothers are saying but it. Be- because you instantly know it makes it when like a page later that, that moment where the, when the dog says it Edward is and realizes it, like because you've already figured it out, watching Ed realize it and watching his reaction like really punches you because you know how yeah. mad he's going to be based on how he's already been in the last four vault, four chapters. And I, I've got to say, like the artwork on this, creating the tone, you just you you suddenly know that it's like stormy outside. I mean, they they establish the weather outside with some clouds and everything, but you know, like no, this is like about to get dark. This is like. Like lightning crashing behind yeah. a, a rainy mansion in the beginning of Clue. <laughs> we, where it's like, we gothic. are setting up the tone. Yes. And then when there's the image of um, Show Tucker and, and Nina as a chimera, you're like, no, this feels, this is 
bad. This is gross. Yeah. This is dark. This is a violation. Yeah. And and like it, it's amazing that with, you know, black and white images, this artist is, is just conveying all of this emotion. And you're like, no, I'm not supposed to feel good about this. This isn't a success moment, even though Shao Tucker saying I did it. You know, this is success for me. You're like, no, he did. He did yeah. bad. He did something <laughs> bad. And you just know it. Yeah. And I don't mean uh, I don't mean to say that um, that like there aren't hard moments in this because there are what i'm saying is uh it it never jars me so much that i'm like oh i don't even know what i'm reading right now everything feels consistent you you feel like you're in this world the whole time whether it's dark absolutely because i think when we talked about maybe it's magic magic nights rare like there sometimes in manga and visual uh, you know animated forms in anime where like the characters are like in one mood and the next suddenly like their arms are up under their chin and they've got a giant smile and they're squealing out some delight and it's like mm-hmm. you were feeling delight two seconds ago yeah. why <laughs> like the the pacing of these mood changes yeah. in full metal alchemist is maybe a little more even but I do want. To, I just want to give a shout out to again the uh, the artist and uh, well and writer Hiro- the creator Hiromu Arakawa. The panel where it is um, Tucker revealing the Chimera that is just grade A layout um, mm-hmm. it, from on the page yeah. on the image itself. Yes, where the the dog Chimera is like hunched over and holding itself very low, and Tucker is holding himself very proudly and happily, and he's got a smile, and they're in this shadow of light, and in the background of that, you've got a cage, and then a, a shelf that has literally like Frankenstein-esque bottles with organs yeah, jar- floating, jars with floating animal parts. <laughs> floating in it, um, and just there's so much that's packed into a page that is actually fairly simple. Like there's a lot of white space and a lot of black space of shadow, but there's, I, I think just the layout is done expertly to convey so much meaning in one single image. Yeah. That last frame on that page, the half black, half white frame where you can just see the, the chimera Nina Alexander's eyes and the outlines of its hair is so yeah. eerie. Yes. Andrew's Andrew's holding it up and pointing out that that very panel and yeah it's it's just uh, this is a uh, an artist who is using all the tools of their craft to make you feel something with very simple imagery mm-hmm. and, and I th- I think there's a complexity in choosing to pull back the line work because you see other pages where there's like huge amounts of lines and motion are being conveyed and massive onomatopoeic, you know, letters are telling you what you're hearing and everything. I, I, I've pointed to uh, a page where Armstrong is ripping his shirt off <laughs> yes. and there's a big letters at the bottom rip and yeah. he's just bursting out of, out of the frame and there's action lines. And, 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 and that tool set is perfectly appropriate for that moment. And she pulled back all those tools and, and, you know, a strip it away for the moment of us seeing uh, the Chimera dog for the first time and it, it makes a very different feeling. So she has all these tools and I think she's just very skilled at choosing when to um, you know, when am I going for a big action, lots of line work and when am I going to almost have it be monochromatic, one black space, one white space with a few lines crossing over each of those. I'm looking also at um, his dream at the beginning of is it chapter 6? Um and she does this juxtaposition of um, images of Ed when he's waking up and you see his eyes and his eyes are done in like, I mean, there's probably 10 lines on the page. Like there's just, <laughs> there's just no lines in these little panels. Um, and then contrasted with these more detailed uh, images of like his, his knee creaking and he's in bed. And then when he's hunched over um, 
it's just it's just good. I feel like it would be, I mean, I've never obviously <laughs> uh, drawn a, a comic before, but um, I, I can't imagine how difficult a task it must be to keep things interesting when you're just drawing the same people over and over and over again. And that there, there has to be a tendency to want to repeat. And I just feel like she never repeats the same panel. There's just, she finds so many different ways to show expression and to convey emotion and um, to portray these characters, it keeps your interest just throughout. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the other characters. First of all, Scar. Um, do you think a parent ever names their child Scar before they have <laughs> a mess? That's what they call it. <laughs> I know. That's not a given name. Not as, not as given name. There's a history of characters where it's like, like in Lion King. Like, at what point Scar. did Scar become Scar? <laughs> but they actually have canon about uh, his, his name before that. Really? Yeah. What, do you know it off the top of your head? Yeah. Um, Come on, Disney I, Animation Minute. I, I, <laughs> what? I think it's Taka. Something like that. I'm not. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Uh, look forward to it in uh, in a future season <laughs> of season. Disney <laughs> Animation Minute Essentials. Okay. Several dozen <laughs> seasons down the line. Um, but I, I mean, I joke with that. It one. is Taka. But uh, it is. Oh, it is Taka. Okay. You've 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 pulled it out for us. Thank you, Norman. Yeah, but that's that's canon, Joseph. No, I right. took care All of right. that. <laughs> um, but there is something like very visually striking about this this guy with the sunglasses and the X-shaped scar on his head. And there's um, a lot of the other side characters, like just pretty instantly you get a feel for who these these characters are. Um, what's his name? Roy Mustang. Strong naming going on in this. Yeah. She uses a lot of um, military, like military vehicles in particular for the military characters. And uh-huh. so it's supposed to be like the, the Mustang jet. Okay. Um, and Armstrong is supposed to be an Armstrong tank. And, okay. And so, so, about that so she's referencing like military stuff. For most of the military characters, um, and Hawkeye is a sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I'm like these names, like these names work. Yeah, so yeah, the Armstrong being the giant, Armstrong being the giant strong guy. Uh, yeah, so, and um, and not just the the names, but then the visuals that she matches with them. It's just uh, a lot of times you turn the page, you see the character, and then you're given a name. You're like, yes, I, I approve. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Hawkeye. She she's oh, excellent, yeah. an excellent character. Her yeah, I she's mean, good. I know I mentioned it during your your summary, but her tackling Mustang and saying "you idiot," yeah, <laughs> don't you know? You've read all of it. You've read all of this, Todd. I've seen. Or have you? Not- I've seen like half or something. I, oh, I think okay. more than half of the oh. of the anime. More than half of the anime. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you love Hawkeye halfway through, you will just grow oh. to love her more and more. Yeah, Hawkeye. I, like a lot of these characters, who you think are maybe side characters they're really just like the ensemble and yeah ed and al are yeah. the focus but think of ed and al as a focus with like a like a 20 person ensemble behind them okay and, uh, um, this, and three this uh this story really has three protagonists when uh whenever you look it up and look at breakdowns about it uh quite often roy mustang is lumped in as a protagonist like one of the main yeah. protagonists of the story that mm-hmm. they're called uh, the tritagonists and a lot of stuff i've read about it Okay, now we get a little bit of his backstory. He was one of the alchemists that was used as a weapon of mass destruction, right? Yeah. And it, what else is his alchemy good for? So he's <laughs> yeah. he's going to be carrying a burden as well. Um, and and Armstrong was present, um, but not as participatory. Okay. Um, in those same events, and and you meet several he's, of them. He's too nice of a man. He yeah. couldn't get himself to. Fight. Um, he he didn't actually like kill mm-hmm. hundreds of people. But he would use his alchemy to like build walls that they were then killed against. 
And he did not do well with that. And he left. Um, and, okay. and his rank would be higher if he had not left. Okay. He's like, I can't do that. Um, and, and Mustang had a little more darkness inside him. Um, yeah. Following orders. I do have to say, I mean, I, I haven't gotten to part three where you say Alphonse gets a little darker. So maybe I'm, I'm basing this a little bit. A lot of these characters are a bit broken, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and by yeah, the yeah. end of this volume, physically broken. Yes, there, 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 there's some uh, shards that need to be picked up around their lives, uh, is what I'm seeing. And I, I, I was gonna say as like a point. I read the first one, and when like their first mission that you see is, you know, the hypocritical religious leader that's really a fraud. In some ways, I was like, we've seen this story so many times. Like at this point, if it's some anything that's gonna have any action, and there's a religious character, I assume they're a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna there's gonna be some uh crazy reason that they're really the bad guy uh but then it almost immediately gets followed up with a scientist who does like the worst thing that's happened so far in the series so, so, so everyone yeah, 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 yeah. every every everything is flawed everything is is uh is going to be carrying a burden of of is tainted i guess in a way but there's also yeah, it's, a, it's a nice juxtaposition of like unrestrained faith in anything mm-hmm and like how that leads you astray. There's also like real, um, I mean, there's light here, there's hope and there's, there's mm-hmm. this beautiful relationship between these brothers. And, uh, so there's I the girl from the first, so uh, the first mission. I assume she's going to reappear at some point. Uh, I think Rose. Her name is Rose. Rose. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's not a, a major character, but she shows up. Yeah. But she's another one. Yeah. You, that, you do see her. Yeah. yeah. Where, uh, it's always like, I, I say like, you see hope in her, you really see her get disillusioned, but mm-hmm. it, it, in a way, but, but that, it's like that's her it, building moment. Yeah, so it's her opening her eyes, and yeah. I don't feel like she's going to be, uh, you know, a uh, she's not going to she's not going to be stuck at the bottom for long. Yeah, yeah. I would say roughly about ninety percent of characters, if you don't see them die, you will see them again before the end of the story. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's fair. It's too bad we saw the little girl Chimera die. I was kind of hoping they were going to get separated back out. Oh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. That, no. I love yeah. I love the frames of the dog tackling it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like a like a massive St. Bernard sized dog. On Ed, who, who is who they always talk about as being small. <laughs> like even for his age, he's small. Because he doesn't drink milk. <laughs> I, I, he hates milk. I mean, I've mentioned several times, like there's something that I very much enjoy about the names and the character designs. And sometimes they're on the nose and other times it's the contrast that I love. And uh, there's not real consistency as to like what, what you're going to be getting because <laughs> scar. Okay. That one's really on the nose. Same with Armstrong, really kind of on yeah. the nose. Oh, you get, but um, Alphonse, definitely not, <laughs> you know, with this is he's a giant suit of armor and then the personality doesn't match that. And the right. name Alphonse with a giant suit of armor that's walking around mm-hmm. like the, the, right. Alphonse makes me picture like a happy little boy in lederhosen. Yeah. Yes, like, 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 a, like a little, a little prince boy. Or I was going to say um, like a uh, um, Scarlet Pimpernel fop kind of. Yeah. Which when, <laughs> when, you, me. when you see, when you see Alphonse in his human form, it's like, okay, that kind of lines up. Like he, he's, not quite so foppish, but it's like that kind of lines up. He's got his hair parted in a certain way. And you're like, all right, that's an Alphonse. <laughs> yeah. But in the suit of armor, so- you're like, okay, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah. And I mean, if you caught that the, you, I'm sure you've caught that the, the design of everything is like 1930s Germany. Mm. Yeah. 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 Like mm. n- maybe 1920s even. Um, yeah. It's, it's very, yeah. um, it, it, or, it's I don't like know if early is, industrial revolution, yeah, uh, but an industrial revolution that's geared around the military is kind of what. Yes, yeah. 
military industrial complex is very applicable here. Yeah. I mean, they call their leader Fuhrer. I don't know if that's been said. They they call him Fuhrer and president and king. I don't think I caught Fuhrer. King is his first name. His first name is King. But okay. he is called the Fuhrer right, and the President. Guys, you called he me out. May, he, he may have been the Fuhrer and the and the President separately. Okay, you, you called me out about saying characters named Scar that end up scarred, but he literally was named King. Well, he, <laughs> Fuhrer, President, King Bradley. But but his his real first name yeah. is King. Yes. Okay. So I think I my my Scar question wasn't as ridiculous as we're <laughs> <laughs> <or> mentioning. <laughs> um, it's like well, I, I can't remember where it was. It was uh, I was uh, um. Some history book. It was in the 1800s. And there's a character named Doc. It was Doctor something. And then I realized, like a paragraph in, I'm like, oh, that's just his name. That was not a title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like his parents had named him Doctor. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> like the uh, the razor blade manufacturer. His name was King Gillette. Hmm. <laughs> okay, I think that's a that's a bold naming yeah. choice. I, I, you know, as parents, you have a lot of responsibility when you're christening a child. <laughs> you know, like, well, what name? I mean- I'm going to give you, if you go with doctor as a first name, you're really setting up some expectations. King. <laughs> King even more so. Have you guys read? You're Fre- going to give that kid a complex. Have you guys read Freakonomics? Uh, no. I, I've read chapters from Freakonomics. Yeah, I've read amazing, there's an amazing section of Freakonomics about, about names and naming na- people that, that have named their children. Weird. <laughs> like the parents <laughs> that named one child winner and one child loser. Oh no! Yeah, what? That's bad. Inappropriate. <laughs> That's Whoa. terrible. Yeah, and then uh, it turns out that winner like ended up in jail, and loser is like the chief of police in some place. <laughs> <laughs> that kid parents... turns eighteen, saves some money, and changes his name. That's what loser. Yeah. <laughs> The parents that named one kid Lamangelo and the other one Orangelo, like Orange Jello and Lemon Jello. And the, that was a kid's oh. names. Orangelo and Lamangelo. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's pretty great. If you're if you like uh if you like fun names, you should check out Freakonomics. It's uh, a right. pretty great. Um we should we should move towards wrapping up discussion on this one. Yes. Yeah, so uh, any final thoughts about Full Metal Alchemist? I'm glad we came and uh, talked about this. I've had uh I've had this on my on my list for a long time of things so that I think it would be fun to talk about. I'm glad we got to it. Yeah. Uh, if uh, final thoughts on this is if you were thinking about reading this story and you are interested in like kind of what we've been talking about, read this and you probably won't be able to put it down. <laughs> yes. Yes. And if you if you read the first two volumes. And you like, if you really, really like any of the like military characters, you will not be disappointed with the rest of the story because they are constantly around. <laughs> Armstrong doesn't disappear into the background. No, Armstrong is one. Armstrong is wonderful. And uh, especially pay attention to Scar. Scar has quite the character arc. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would say that it's fantastic and should be consumed in its entirety. Like a- any one chunk doesn't really do it justice. Um, yeah. but if we were trying to do the whole thing, this podcast would be hours and hours and hours long. <laughs> yeah. So, so oh. it's not, it's not viable for this format, but if you're interested in it, go consume the whole thing in some form or another. I just heard Norman yeah. get an idea when you were saying that. I have thought about what it would take to do a whole podcast on this, like a long term. I, I, uh, I just have one more quick thing to say about it, uh, which I think is really important is this is a really good work of 
like science fiction and fantasy written by a woman that is a really good recommendation whenever anyone is looking for that mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely yeah it, it i just got lost in this world she does really great world building too yeah. i mean all of the all of the women in this story feel distinct from each other a lot of them have very realistic motivations and so does everybody else oh and, and like and- this story is about interpersonal relationships and like the burden of guilt is like a really big part of this story. And and while a lot of the story is dealing with relationships, it is almost never romantic relationships. That is not what this is talking about. This is talking about a, a bigger picture. So if you ever have complained yeah. like, Oh, the women in stories are always defined by romantic relationships. Go ahead and read this. <laughs> Please do. I mean, in in these first two volumes, we didn't get a lot of the women. Uh, like there was Rose in the first chapter and mm-hmm. and Hawkeye uh, in in the second volume. Some, but like I, as of yet, I haven't had huge character development from mm-hmm. them, uh, or gotten a great sense of, of who they are. Even though I, she but, did have one of my favorite moments, but you haven't really gotten that much development out of anyone. Yeah, at an yeah, exactly. So, so they've had about as much as mm-hmm. Mustang or Tucker or anything. No, I'm, I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm just saying, like, I, if you're two chapters in and you're looking for that, it might not be there as fully as when you've consumed 27 chapters of or, or 27 volumes of the manga. Yeah. So that everyone's character arc not only feels like it makes sense, it really feels complete when you put down the last volume of this story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, since we have you on Norman, I just wanted to say if, uh, if listeners are thinking about, or ask if listeners are thinking about getting into full metal alchemist, we've said there's the manga and there's two different anime series and there's apparently a live action film as well. Uh, if this intrigued them, which do you recommend as the primary source they should turn to? And then what would be your secondary recommendation? Definitely watch brotherhood. If you're more into watching things, uh, but for like for me, it's definitely Brotherhood. I think is the best version of this story overall, even though I love the manga so much because I think it's paced almost perfectly to like the pace of how long it would take you to read the manga. But some of the visuals in motion and some of the expressions, like watching them change, actually adds to this story in a way that really, really hits home on a lot of these moments. So I would say Brotherhood and then like the manga is like the secondary thing. But you should definitely consume both of them is what you're saying. <laughs> you definitely, you definitely should. Because there are <laughs> small differences that you're going to get out of your experience with, with both of them. I might lean yeah. in the, the only criticism of Brotherhood is that because they did essentially the first third of the story before mm-hmm. in the original series, the first eight or nine, 10 episodes mm-hmm. are paid pretty fast in brotherhood because most of the viewers especially initially were familiar with it i i would maybe lean towards reading the manga like if you're only going to consume one i would say read the manga but that's me like i'm not i'm not trying to argue against norman's <laughs> assessment i think i think his assessment is a good assessment um if you want the really complicated version then find the original series and watch the first like 24 episodes of it and then watch Brotherhood and the accelerated first 10 won't feel so weird. <laughs> but, yeah. but don't, just don't really the, do the that. Accelerated 10 and then pick it back up. Yeah, but, uh, but don't really do that because you should probably consume yeah. whichever version you're going for on right. its own. Yeah, uh, the original version of the Night of the Chimera's Cry episode, which is what this uh, manga volume starts with, 
is better than the version in Brotherhood. Yes, for sure. Because they move through it too quickly. And like, you really got to let this one sit. They give you an entire episode in the original series of them playing and getting to know Nina. Oh, and then and then the next episode. But and then they take her away. But I I also want to know because they were really passionate about this show and, and really committed to making it a good show. When they made the end credits for that episode after Nina died, it is a special version of the end credits that's an homage to Nina that doesn't appear anywhere else. Guys, I'm going to tear up so, over so, so they an made, animation <laughs> that I haven't watched. They, they made an entire credit sequence and changed it from the usual one and said, this episode's oh, special. We get, we get a special credit sequence. And they did the same thing for... Uh, another episode later on where oh they just said like, nope, this is special different credits. We're not using our, our normal credits. Wow. Like they, they were like, no, this is emotional. And like when people are dealing with this, we don't want the credits to suddenly jump in and, and change their mood. We want it to like help <laughs> continue their, their emotional journey. It's kind of like if you're watching a West wing on Netflix or on DVD, a lot of times it ends on like a really dark, somber note. And then the end credit music is like super upbeat. You know? <laughs> they, don't, they don't have that problem. It's very jarring. Sometimes uh, that transition moment in West wing. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> thank you uh, for joining us, Norman, uh, in this discussion. Of course I, I will. I will talk about manga and anime literally anytime. <laughs> well, listeners, that might be a tease for the next episode in our queue. Just a little, <laughs> a little, little snippet there. Uh, that's going to wrap up this episode, though. Uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, such as Lord of the Rings Minute, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music, if you enjoyed uh, this episode, you might want to go check out episode number 61 when we talked about Magic Knight's Ray Earth, uh, the first manga series that we tackled on this. Or you might want to go check out the earlier episodes when we had Norman on to talk about Roroni Kenshin and Green Lantern. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow Protagonist Pod, Todd K. Mack, Jay Dorowski. Our producer, Andrew, is at Disminute on Twitter. Norman, what is your uh, Twitter handle or your show's twitter handle uh the show is uh at lord of the rings minute uh and i uh i don't really do That's twitter funny. personally so. <laughs> well then uh you can go follow at lord of the rings minute is it lord of the rings minute or l-o-t-r minute uh it's lord okay. of the rings minute and you can also find us on facebook at uh we have the lord of the rings minute facebook page and our listener group, Fellowship of the Mic, is pretty active. It is. It is. Uh, I'm a member of uh, several of those kinds of groups, and yours seems to get uh, daily uh, kind yeah, of comments. I'd say there's interaction pretty much every day. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast. And we enjoy our conversations there with our listeners. And we'd love for you to stop by and say hello. If you would like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thank you again for listening. And we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. Bye. All right, Todd, I'm going to do the summary so you have the intro. Are you kidding me?
right now? I, I have the summary. <laughs> I wrote the summary for this. <laughs> but you can do yours. That's fine. No, no. God, I see the floor. <laughs> Joseph is happy to let someone else. Point of first time. I don't want to read mine. <laughs> I, yeah, the first time this has ever summary. happened. Are you serious? You you wrote a summary? I did. Okay. Well, I did too. Well, well I'll do the intro though. I uh, I see the floor. <laughs> you. Oh man. What did that happen? We've done 177 episodes. How is this, first of all, never happened? Second of all, how is it happening after 177 I'm episodes? Sure it's because we were, I mean, okay. when the last few weeks we've been off our schedule for yeah. recording times, and um, just two because it's right. a double today. I'll just point out that on our schedule, on our spreadsheet, it says Todd next to, under summary. So. Well, I probably should have looked. That's pretty fair. <laughs> Norman, your last name is Norman Mitchell, right? Touche. Yes, my name is Norman Mitchell. <laughs> All right, I, I concede the point, and I will allow you to read yours. Okay. I don't know that it will be any better. I'm sure yours was, was fantastic. Yeah, Joseph, if you don't like his, uh, we can just record it after, and <laughs> I can replace it. In- <laughs> <laughs> Todd's listening when he's about to drop his- <laughs> 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 That's not mine. <clears throat>